welcome to Zach on Film, a show where we talk about movies. I'm not Zach. Zach's over there. Hi, I'm Zach. Um, this would be New Year's. Uh, happy 2015 to yeah, all of you yeah. uh, listening out there in listener land. While we gear up to watch Zach's four films, mm-hmm. um, we thought it might be interesting to take a look back and look at our top ten movies that we watched in 2014. And I say that we watched in 2014 because yeah. I don't get a chance to go to the movie theater as often as I like. And a lot of times the movies that we yeah. really want to see do not come to I mean, our little town that's of the Hayes, America. part of the problem with our top of the film list, top films of the year right. list, is that, um, I mean, the odds are you're going to see films on our 2014 list yeah. that released into the 2013 cycle yes. because we don't get a chance to watch a lot of the big uh, Oscar contending right. films because they don't 12, come to our 12 theater. Years of Slave come here? No. Yeah, see? We had, I believe, last time I count, I think we had two of the top film nominees in the Oscars come oh, here with here. Oscar yeah. with uh, Oscars with Gravity mm-hmm. and The Wolf of Wall Street yeah. I think came here and I don't think anything else did yeah so some stipulations that Zach and I kind of came up with was that it had to have been a film that was that we have watched in 2014 we can't yeah. say that we watched it in 2014 or 13 and we put it here it has to be a film that we had to watch in the last year and it kind of had to have a life give or take of of two or three years uh, on either side so I mean it could I mean, if there was a film from 1974 that really struck your fancy and that was the first time you'd ever seen it, sure you could do it. The one thing that we couldn't include on our list were movies from the list on on the proper Zach on Film show. Right. So that's kind of how we did it. (laughs) Which really ruined my list because, like, I know I watched so (laughs) many movies this year and all of them were on that list. Yeah. So the good thing as I was going through my list is that I think all but two of the films Mm -hmm. actually – came out in 2014. I honestly think mine, I was looking over mine, and I do believe uh, there are only two on mine. That are from 2014? Oh, are from 2013. Oh, okay. I think the rest of mine are 2014. Whoa, All the rest of mine are 2013. So I'll start off. Um, My number 10, I've talked before about how I'm a sucker for time travel movies. Oh, yeah. Or anything having to do with time travel. Yeah. Uh, So my number 10 is a movie that came out in 2013. It's called Plus One. It's a real crazy, it's not a big studio release film, but uh, three college friends hit their biggest party of the year where a mysterious phenomenon disrupts the night, quickly descending into chaos that challenges their friendship and whether they can stay alive. Essentially what happens is um, doppelgangers of themselves come alive who are uh, very sentient of what's going on and knowing that something is out of line with the timeline, and Mm -hmm. yet everybody keeps experiencing the things again and again and again. So the plus one is they come to a party, the plus one is yourself. Yeah. And it's got a really kind of creepy twist ending. But there's something about this movie that I really kind of dug on because of the way that it was telling time travel in a different uh, light. I mean, in Back to the Future, Marty's told, don't bump into yourself, don't touch yourself, don't see yourself, because it's going to screw up the timeline. Here, your other selves are actively trying to kill you because of the way. Have you seen Plus One? No. It's worth checking out. Uh, I think. Interesting. Um, But it is kind of a little, I wouldn't say it's an artsy film, but it's an independent film. Yeah. And just so people know ahead of time, I spent most of 2014 uh, watching one movie a week on Thursday nights. I do this thing called crappy movie night. And I specifically go into um, the iTunes and look for movies that have rotten tomato meter ratings of 
30 or below. So I saw a lot of crappy movies this year. I also saw some movies that I think were really kind of cool. And Plus One from 2013 is definitely one that I waited uh, to see, and I really adored it, and that's why it made my my number 10. Nice. Uh, My number 10 is a little documentary that I watched, uh, I think it was around, you know, the fall time. Yeah, and it's called "Mistaken for Strangers," mm. and it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch this? I haven't seen it. But um, I, keep see, I keep seeing it. Pop it's up about on my feed. Uh, the brother of the lead singer of a band called The National, who, who are uh, not exactly superstars, but I mean they're a, they're a known band. Uh, and the the younger brother of the of the lead singer is going to go on tour with them as, as like a roadie. He's just going to help them move all their equipment between the things, but he's going to. Uh, you know, document. He's going to film himself right, the whole right, time. Right. And it's really interesting because at parts of it, it almost feels that it's fake as in yeah, it's yeah. staged. Yeah. And I, and it's never discussed like that. It's pretty much just played as a straight up, uh, uh, of an honest capturing of the life on the road with the national being the brother of the lead singer. Right. And it's so uh, heart wrenching at certain times to watch him kind of deal with his brother's fame and not being uh, as famous as him or as successful as him and h- him trying to pursue his own pursuits in, in film. And there's not really happening. And to see this, there's just certain moments that are just, Oh, they're just, they just kind of, Tug on your heart so hard. Uh, it was one of the best documentaries I watched this year. I didn't get a many chance to watch very many of them, uh, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, and I even I randomly just picked it up as a ninety nine cent rental on iTunes, but yeah. it was totally worth like a full. I, I've been price. tempted really to watch good. this. I've been tempted to watch this multiple times. Yeah, because there's just something about it that just seems a little crazy and far fetched. Yes, um, but there's also something very human about it. It maybe that's what it was because normally you would not see a celebrity portrayed in the light that his brother, he doesn't come off as this super clean, pristine right, right. Uh, person. I mean, he's got the band members will kind of talk crap on him every once in a while, saying mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of this egomaniac and yeah, he kind of yeah. controls the band the way he wants to yeah. do it. So maybe that is the part that just felt so surreal about mm-hmm. the whole thing mm-hmm. that it was just almost too honest. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is Tim's Vermeer. It's a documentary, oh, and it's yeah. one that I've talked about before. Uh, I am a big fan of Tim Jennison because uh, I got my start using the New Tech equipment, and he's the mm-hmm. founder of New Tech. And he has become he is so I don't know if I don't know the right way to phrase this. He is at a place where he can do anything he wants mm-hmm. in his life. Yeah, and one of the things that he wanted to do was paint a Vermeer, and Vermeer paintings look like photographs. Yes, and for centuries people are maybe not centuries people have not been able to figure out how he was able to reproduce such accurate highly detailed realistic looking paintings mm-hmm. and so uh tim jennison set about to figure out a way to do this and he figured it out in fact there's new technology out just uh this week they announced some uh, new stuff to help people do basically the same thing really? where you've got a little mirror that is split that's reflecting down onto the paper and you're seeing what's in front of you, and you're also mm-hmm. seeing your drawing. You basically are tracing over everything. Mm-hmm. And in this documentary, uh, Tim Jennison goes through the whole process of how he discovered this, the testing of it, the recreation of it, until finally he creates something that could pass for a Vermeer painting. And it's 
I mean, of all the documentaries to watch, mm-hmm. a guy painting. It, yeah. <laughs> at times, it's about as exciting as watching paint dry. It is. But it is so good. It is unbelievable. And it almost, it puts like this new idea of like art and this mismatch of art right. and technology. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. It's so good. It's produced and directed by Penn Gillette mm-hmm. of, Penn, of Penn and Teller fame. So if that tweaks your fancy, go watch this film. It's really good, and it deserves a good spot at my number nine. Ever since I've watched that, and I watched it in May or June, it was shortly after I quit my job to do major spoilers full mm-hmm. time, um, I sat down one day, I said, okay, I'm interested in seeing this, I'm going to watch it, and it's one of those films where it's like, yes, this is why I enjoy movies, yeah. and this is why I love documentaries, because mm-hmm. I actually learned something from mm-hmm. this, and my life is better because of it. Yeah. So Tim's Vermeer, my number nine. My number nine uh, was one of the breakout hits at the beginning of the year, and that is the Lego movie. Ah, yeah, that's on my also ranks uh, list. The best animated movie I saw all year. So good. Yeah. Uh, the cast of characters was such amazing, how they got mm-hmm. all the voice talent in there. Uh, it, I mean, it doesn't hurt that it is Lego, right. like one of my favorite uh, toy properties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, to any back to my childhood, they touched a, a nice nostalgia factor of this film, but it was so well done. It wasn't uh, like a light, delicate, little animated movie. It was kind of deep, and it had this nice message, and they uh, told the story so incredibly well. Uh, yeah. I mean, the ending is... A little schmaltzy. Yeah, but, but it's, 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 it's really, really, nice. really yeah. well done and how they got to the point uh, and how they bring it uh, back into the spoilers real world yeah, yeah. and not just the Lego place and how they interact. And I just it was amazing. I'm glad it wasn't a giant commercial. Yes, that would have been horrible. Yeah. But it was There good. were times where it could have just been, hey, here's this new product, you know, basically mm-hmm. kind of thing coming out. And granted, there were a lot of Lego movie sets and we own about half sure. of them yeah. um, that came out. But I'm just glad it wasn't a big commercial and that it was about father-son relationships and empowerment and just a lot of things that were in that in that movie that yeah. I thought had a good messages yeah, to them. Yeah, really so, good. Yeah. Uh, my number eight is one that came out, I don't, I know it came out in 2014. I think it came out late in the year. It's another documentary. It's called Showrunners, The Art of Running a TV Show. And, and I've recommended this to Zach um, in a previous Zach on film, but it's basically a documentary that looks at the U.S. television um, showrunners, basically the producers of the episodes, how these shows get made, what kind of things they have to deal with. And it's a great inside baseball, inside look at um, how the how the sausage is made in, in TV land. Um, I watched it over Thanksgiving weekend. Just fascinated me the entire time. And you are going to recognize a lot of the producers and you're okay. going to recognize a lot of the shows uh, that uh, that they talk about. This is very, this is not, you know, 1975. This is, this is what's happened in the last year and a half, two years kind of stuff. Which is like what people are, Almost labeling the golden age of television. Yes. So, I mean, just go and watch that documentary. It's really, really good. So that's my number eight, Showrunners. My number eight is a film I just talked about in the Major Spoilers podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, It was Comet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A film with Justin Long and Emmy Rosam uh, that detailed this relationship between a couple spanning six years told in five different little vignettes uh, with the story told non-linearly intertwining with each other. Uh, I just felt so refreshed after watching it they did interesting things with their composition and their lighting uh, and how they told it in this a a story that we have seen multiple times uh, even just in film but they told it in this fresh way uh, that was just nice to see just a small film that released uh, day and date digitally 
same time as in the theaters uh, that I really, really enjoyed. It was one that I could actually watch with Aubrey, and then she actually enjoyed also, which <laughs> it always helps when uh, she is excited to watch a movie yeah, also. Yeah. yeah. Um, my number seven is Chef. Oh, um, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, it's, it's, there's something about it that is really, really good. Um, I'm trying to find something here real quick. Sorry, I was trying to do it while you were talking. I went too fast. No, you're, you're fine. <laughs> um, so I have been a, f- a fan of Jean Favreau for a long time, ever mm-hmm. since um, Swingers first came out. Yeah. I mean, that was his kind of breakout independent piece that really kind of launched him in a lot of different directions from being an actor on uh, Friends to doing uh, Jumanji. <laughs> was it Jumanji? No, uh, Zarathustra. He did oh, Zarathustra. Yeah. Um, to then kind of coming back around and doing a very small independent movie like Chef. And whatever he has done in his career, I think I need to investigate it more because he's able to, and maybe it's his personality or whatever, but he has worked with Robert Downey Jr. He's mm-hmm. worked with Scarlett Johansson. And he's able to bring big names into this very small movie and have them do some really cool roles. So Chef is a story about a, a chef at a restaurant who I don't want to say has a midlife crisis, but basically has had enough of being told what to do. And he wants to make food the way he wants to make food. Mm-hmm. And he wants to have a better connection with his son and his divorced wife, uh, those kinds of things. And so he ends up getting a a, a food truck. And uh, it's located in Florida, and they have to drive all the way back to California. And along the way, he and his son develop a relationship. They sell great food. He becomes very successful again as a chef, rediscovers why he wants to do what he wants to do with his life. And even though it may seem a little bit uh, over the top that Jean Favreau in the shape that he's in currently is Uh able to land beautiful women like Scarlett Johansson and uh, Sofia Vergara, Mm. um, it's still a wonderful movie with a lot of heart. And uh, it, it, I'm really glad I watched that this year. It's it's Chef from uh, Jean Favreau. What number are we on? Six? Seven. Seven. Uh, my number seven is an, uh, one, of the, one of the comedies that I was actually super excited about watching most of the year. Uh, like we said at the top of the show, it didn't come to our theater. Yeah. Uh, multiple reasons why this one did. This one is called Obvious Child. It, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is yeah. a comedy featuring Ginny Slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was directed by Jillian... Uh, Robespierre, a uh, great little film about uh, like a, com- a comedian in her twenties who gets uh, accidentally impregnated, right? And her dealing with uh, the decision to get an abortion, mm-hmm. and it's just this really nice look at uh, you know a film with a woman lead directed by a woman mm-hmm. who um, doesn't take us on this journey of like the after school special of trying right, to right. oh don't get an abortion or right. even not even coming out like abortion is great but it's simply just telling this story of a woman having to deal with just that situation of you know uh getting pregnant after a hookup with a guy she just met mm-hmm. and having to deal with that talking to her friends talking to her mom about it dealing with just life in general like losing her job a uh, really funny movie. Uh, Ginny, I think Ginny Slate would be bigger right now if she hadn't dropped the f bomb on SNL her yeah. first season and got kicked off. Yeah. Um, but I think this movie is going to do something for her. I think. I mean, she's getting talks about uh, Oscar noms oh, right, yeah. and things like that for her role. 
which are well deserved. I mean, she did a really fantastic job. You should totally go look at this movie. It's wonderful. See, it's funny that you're, you're all these things, the movies I haven't seen yet, uh, but that you're mentioning, all continue to pop up on my iTunes yeah. recommendations based oh, yeah. on other movies that I've liked. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen the trailers for these, and it's mm-hmm. like I keep passing them again and again and again. It's like, well, I'm not really in the mood to watch you know, this heavy of yeah. a topic or this kind of a movie, but it's something that is definitely on my radar. Mm. So it's not like I haven't heard about this yeah. film before. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something I want to check yeah, out. I think it way. was out of the comedies that came out this year, which I felt were very, uh, which are most other like lowbrow, easy yeah, yeah. humor kind of thing. I yeah. think this is one that really took a risk I, and paid off. Yeah. I've just, I really appreciate, and I, I know that I've got an Amazon prime and a Netflix and, uh, Hulu and all these <laughs> yeah. things, but I really love buying these movies from from iTunes because I'm able to watch them relatively soon, if not while at the same time they're in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I want to that I want to check out. And I really like that a lot. Yeah. So yeah, good good that that they have those kind of independent sections on yeah, on really those, good uh, on those uh, video on demand online online channels. Uh, my number six is a movie that just came out recently, Big Hero Six. Oh, look at that. This beat, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is on my almost rans. Oh, yeah. And I just watched the Guardians of the Galaxy today, and it still brought tears to my eyes because it's <laughs> such a great movie. But there is something about Big Hero 6, and it may be because I got to, this is the first time that the entire family, all four of us, were able to go see the movie together and not have to get up in the middle oh, of the movie. Yeah, that's good. Like with uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, where <laughs> my wife and youngest had to leave because he was being disruptive. But Big Hero 6 is a fun superhero animated 3D movie. That just, I really want to see a sequel to this in some way, shape, or form. Top to bottom, excellent, a great Disney movie. Um, I don't know. I think everyone knows what Big Hero 6 is. If you don't, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> go see it. It'll, it'll be out on uh, on your iTunes uh, very soon, probably by February, I'm going to bet. Yeah. So that's my number six. My number six I, uh, is the one of the movies that actually came out in 2013 for me. Uh, which was Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. This is one of the... Mm-hmm. See, there's a lot of movies that would be on my yeah, list. Yeah. I was lucky enough to get to see them because I went to Phoenix yeah, yeah, right yeah. when a lot of the Oscars were coming, uh, yeah. movies were coming out. So I got to see... At the end of 2013. In the end of 2013. Yeah. So I got to see uh, Wolf of Wall Street and 12 Years a Slave uh, in a theater in 2013. Uh, but the Dallas Buyers Club is one I didn't get to and I eventually saw it You know, after it won a couple of awards all over the place um, with... Uh, Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey really just doing some amazing roles. And when you learn how small of a movie this was, yeah. and the makeup budget was like $300, and they shot it in like two weeks, uh, just a really well-done movie that was just acted the crap out of by Matthew McConaughey. It's so good. It's one of those movies that I've watched, and I bought right away once I could, oh, but yeah, I yeah. haven't gone back and watched it again because I've just been too busy. There's yeah, so yeah. many movies that came out, because I think 2013 was just that a was freaking a year amazing for yeah. year for movies. And there's just some stuff I haven't got back to, but they're so good. And Dallas Virus Club is certainly one that I need to get back to soon. Very cool. Uh, my number five is another one that I've just watched recently and was a mind trip. And I shared with Zach and said, hey, you really need to go see all of Terry Gilliam's films. Oh. Oh, and God. then finally watch The Zero Theorem last because I think Gilliam is trying to tell an overarching 
story yeah. on his views on different kinds of things. And this one is his views on commercialism, although I take it as a, as a view on religion yes, more so. Uh, but the, the Zero Theorem starring Christoph Waltz, uh, Lucas Hedges, uh, Melanie uh, Tierney, and David uh, Thulis. Thuy- I forget how you I say his name. I can't remember his name. Um, but again, it is, it is this weird mishmash of technology and, and destruction, mm-hmm. trying to tell a story about a man trying to find his place in the world yeah. and trying to find meaning in life. And it's just really good. And it's so a, good. This is on my also ends. It, it, it's a, I like these movies, and this is a reason why all these movies are on my list, is because when I think about them, they had some kind of mind-altering effect on yeah. me where, you know, a week later, two weeks yes. later, three weeks later, I'm still thinking about this movie. Yeah. And Zero Theorem hit that nice sweet spot right in the middle of my list at number five. It's beautifully done. It's super well acted. Yep. And it's a and it's a great story. Zero theorem from Terry Gilliam. My number five is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. One of the really big blockbusters uh, that I saw this year that I really enjoyed. Uh, we watched the first Planet of the Apes movie on Zach on film. Yeah, and I, uh, the nineteen sixties, yeah, nineteen sixties version. Yeah, yeah. uh, and then Dawn of the Planet. And then I've seen uh, what is it, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes with James Franco, the most mm-hmm. recent kind of redo of everything, right? Uh, which I thought was really good. And then Donald Planet of the Apes was one of those movies that I talked about for another week afterwards with just the subtle themes mm-hmm. that ran into the movie. I, uh, I mean, the mocap in this film was un- yeah, was, was really unbelievable. Cool. It, was, it was really, really good. Uh, but I loved the themes and ideas they played out throughout this movie, which I thought, uh, you know, as science fiction goes, one of the better science fiction movies of the year that it did what I love in science fiction where it, projected a world that mm-hmm. isn't that it made you think about what's happening now right uh through the film they're touring that's completely not the world we live in but it makes you think about uh how everything's just unfolding around you and how we should really be thinking about what we're doing mm-hmm. uh and so i really enjoyed dawn of the planet dawn of the planet of the apes this year uh my number four came out in 2013 it is a mm-hmm. movie that i was dying to see dying to see dying to see even though I think it came out in, uh, out on iTunes in like September, October, November of 2013, I still didn't get to see it until 2014. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw it at the very beginning of the year, About Time. Ooh, yeah. You talked about this so much, and I finally had to watch it. So Tim discovers, Tim um, is the main character. He discovers that his family, all the boys in his family, can time travel. They can travel up and down their own timeline, and they can affect things in that timeline. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of this is about Tim trying to get the girl that he loves to fall in love with him and making sure that things turn out right. And then he makes a discovery that he has to make a big decision on. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, about time, about three-fourths of the way into it, moves away from, oh, look how cool time travel is and how it can have an impact, positive and negative, on people's lives, to this is a father-son story where the son really has to say goodbye to his dad. Yeah. And has to make that decision that, Dad, if I do this, we'll never see each other again. Not I, And and the cool thing is he keeps popping back in time mm-hmm. to have conversations with his father. And he has to make this decision that means that timeline is going to be broken. And he's never going to see his father yeah. again. And it is – I was bawling yes. at the end of this movie. <laughs> it is so, so, so freaking good. It got no – yeah, underrated. It is so underrated. And I, I know some people have really hated it, but uh, I remember when I mentioned this to Scott Kurtz, or maybe he brought it up, and he and I were just talking about how we're just bawling at the end of this movie mm-hmm. about how good it is. And if you have not seen About Time, 
You need to go see it. It's definitely my number four. I'm afraid to watch it again <laughs> because of the emotion that it's going to yeah. bring up and the fear that if I watch this again, is it really going to be as good as I remembered that first initial experience? Yeah, because you'll you'll start noticing yeah, and like little, little film and, yeah. things instead of just like the emotion of the film. But it's got Rachel McAdams in it for people who yeah. are, are into that. Uh, Zach mentioned Wolf of Wall Street earlier. It's got Margot Robbie in it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's great, great freaking movie. Really good movie. Go see it. Really go, go grab it. Uh, my number four is the 2014 film from David Fincher with Gone Girl. Mm. Uh, one of those films yeah, you that- You gotta I, see in the theater. Yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta see it. Uh, almost right before it, it dumped out. Mm-hmm. Um Really good. Again, one of those films that uh, Aubrey and our friends that we want to watch with talked about for a while because it was such a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even from like a filmmaking standpoint, the way Fincher led the audience along uh, through the film to believe certain things about characters and then just flipped it on a dime. Yeah. And then made us start looking at different scenarios and reassess our evaluation on characters midway through the story was Mm -hmm. just really well done. I wonder. Do you see any similarities between Gone Girl and Serial? <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I at the time of, of this you, recording, we haven't yeah. heard the final episode of Serial no. yet. Yeah. It actually comes out in a few comes out, Yeah, it comes out pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting that you bring that up, because you could certainly make a case, especially for, uh, if you put the director in the narrator's seat, right. an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. leading, a, leading a story along. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Like, really interesting comparison. That could totally work yeah. in a lot of situations. Interesting. Okay. All right. My number three I owe all thanks to Zach. Um, it is the Grand Budapest Hotel mm-hmm. because I'm not a big fan uh, or was not a big fan of um, – what's his name? Um, uh, Wes Anderson. Wes this Anderson. Is, this is actually my number three also. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, it's actually so we can talk about, yeah, we'll talk about the same time. <laughs> so um, I'm not a big fan of Wes Anderson. I, I you know, I, I watched the uh, fabulous uh, Thunderbirds or whatever that they were. Uh, was Grand Tenenbaums. And then, uh, and I thought that was okay, um, but then it was the um, aquatic life that just turned me off yeah. altogether. But then Zach started talking a few years ago about Moonrise Kingdom and how good it was. And then I started doing a little bit more investigation into Wes Anderson and how he likes to frame everything very centrally and balance mm-hmm. everything out in the story. And then I think you had seen Grand Budapest Hotel first and said I really should watch it. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think we both probably saw it at the same time. Okay. It came out on iTunes when yeah, we both yeah, watched yeah. it, yeah. And I was like, can he really keep the whole story centered in the frame? Mm-hmm. And as the movie went on, because I knew this was going on, I got more and more excited because he kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And at the same time, <laughs> it's a great story with, yeah. a, you know, it's got everybody in it. So many people. And it's one that at the end of that movie, I wanted to watch it all over again. Yeah. It's a great little story about a bellboy and his relationship to this, uh, uh, not the maitre d', but the to the concierge. Uh, concierge at the Grand Budapest Hotel mm-hmm. and how their relationship develops and grows and it's a story within a story within a story. And yeah, that's the that's trippy part. Interesting. And it, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It is just really, really it good. It was really well done. And I really liked how he played with the idea of aspect ratio throughout the film. Yes. Where most of the film is really like one by three or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's like a square format yeah, yeah. you would see. Uh, and the aspect ratio, I believe... Depends Almost, on what time period. Yeah, you're it in. reflects the time period the yeah. actual story's taking place in. So we're jumping in from like our normal aspect we see now, and then like mm-hmm. the 60s, and you jump back to the 30s. Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting how he played with that. Um, I also found that the change of the hotel over time was really was cool. fascinating. I just too. started watching it uh, like in 
I, I had gone back and watched about the first 30 minutes recently and seeing how they like completely wore down their set and like yeah. changed color in the outside yes. uh-huh. not this bright pink color mm-hmm. that you see like on the movie poster and everything and wore it down to even just go back and film so little really because most of the film takes place back in like the 30s yeah it takes yeah. place in between world war one and world mm-hmm. war two just is a good movie it's got ralph fines in it it's got f murray abraham mm-hmm. ed norton uh bill uh murray of course is in there uh, just some great actors, both up and down, both male yeah. and female in this. It was, I, uh, it was a really I, good film. I totally flipped my my view on Wes Anderson. Really? I really like I really yeah. like that film, and if his next film can be as good as this one or better, mm-hmm. it'd be great. And then I, it'd be interesting then for me to go back and watch all of his previous films, because I really, as much as I didn't want to like Moon, uh, Moonlight Kingdom, Moonrise Kingdom, Moonrise Kingdom um, there was something charming about it. It really is. Um, and I kind of, that was that kind of like that crack in the dam where I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But Grand Budapest Hotel is just like fan freaking tastic. And I want to see his next film. I want to see yeah. if it's going to be better than this one. Yeah, because uh, Moonrise Kingdom, I think, really plays on that idea of like whimsy that are kind of like in Wes Anderson kind of film. Like right, this right. light kind of thing. Right. And it really plays out with the main characters being so young and innocent for lack of a better word and in Uh, love yeah and then you get to Grand Budapest where Mm -hmm. I mean there's some more serious ideas I mean with the rise of like Germany and things happening um and then and, just and back he still plays on is it. being framed by mur- for murder for, and yeah they try to solve his and it just still comes out as his like enjoyable experience it, it really is and I think I think that it's it's a light enough movie to where you just kind of you can enjoy the story for what the story is mm-hmm. without trying to find a lot of underlying meaning. Like yeah. Moonrise Kingdom was kind of the same way. Yeah, but in Life Aquatic, it was very much different in the same in the same way with his first film. It was and um, what didn't he do the um, it's the one where they went to India? The Darjeeling Unlimited. Yeah, the Darjeeling Unlimited. Uh, Darjeeling Unlimited. Yeah, um, I watched that one too, and it's just like it kind of feels forced mm-hmm. a lot of it feels forced and i didn't like the way he directed his actors because everybody's very kind of stoic yeah you don't piece. like that very much i don't it, i think it's one, different though, in this this one is a lot mm-hmm. more action oriented which i oh, like oh sure yeah uh and maybe that's why i like this so much and why it's my number three mm-hmm. so yeah i i enjoyed this film i looked forward to it uh when it was announced and leading up to it and so great and even hearing the actors talk about it and some of the special things or how they like all lived in a hotel essentially right. while they were filming. It's just so mm-hmm. interesting how how much they love the city they filmed in. Right. It's just a lot of good stuff about I, this. I might go back and watch that again this week. Yeah. <laughs> My number two is actually a um, fairly mainstream movie, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah, of you really all the, that. At the, of all the Marvel movies, this one felt right. I mean, I really, if you were to say what are your, you know, your Marvel movies in order of preference, it would be um, first Iron Man, yeah. Captain America Winter Soldier and then Guardians of the Galaxy is my top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just something about the Winter Soldier that brings back this whole Cold War experience, uh, brings back in this this uh, spy thriller stuff wrapped up with action. Um, it's just a great superhero movie with mm-hmm. a twist yeah. of, of, of Hydra and, and all of that stuff. So I, I don't know what else to say. Captain America Winter Soldier, my number two. Uh, my number two, I don't remember this actually released. This might be my second 2013 uh, okay. film, uh, which is Herb, the, the Spike Jones. Yeah, God dang, that movie's uh, good. Joaquin Phoenix. I just Scarlett watched Johansson. it again the other day. I just started, I think I watched about half of it last weekend. Uh, it's so, and you talk about Wes Anderson steering yeah. everything, you get about halfway through horror, and like, are they going to put red in every yes. scene? Yes. And they do. Yeah. It's amazing how yeah. they do that. And just the idea of the co-main actor being Scarlett yes. Johansson, yes. never seen 
just a voice in the, how, I feel like how she the got conver- ripped off. Oh, she got hosed by the Academy yeah. not giving her a nom for yeah. Best Actress. Because uh, it's, it's horrible. It's great work. It's really great work. It is. It, and I know people say, oh, it's a love story. It's a, it's a romance story. It, it is, is. It is. But to, to me, a point. I look at it as it's a science fiction tale and very interesting on the discussion about artificial yeah. life and what happens when artificial life really truly becomes sentient and grows beyond mm-hmm. grows beyond the bounds of of the constraints that yeah. man has put on it and yeah. how that relationship changes or yeah and even how humans can interact with technology on a level like we interact with technology on a daily basis and mm-hmm. we have this connection to it now yeah. but if you throw in emotion and stuff how mm-hmm. we interact uh that film was just really it, just it, so good. It really almost came close to my list. Yeah, being on my list because it is really so good. And if I if it wasn't for Push uh, Plus One being a time travel movie, mm-hmm. her would have been yeah. would have been up there. And then you have the whole angle of how aesthetic it was throughout the film, even yes. the OS and yeah. or just all of the furniture and the way the yeah, city feels look. very. It's very very nice. Yeah, it's very clean. I. I, I personally think I love the way they dress. It's I know just, a lot of people have problems just, with that. Yeah, uh, enough. If you just take how uh, current style is and you just push it a little bit and you mix it with a few decades ago, you get to where they are yeah. and you can totally see it happening. And I love it. I I think. <laughs> No one really agrees with me when I say this, but I think everyone in that movie is just super attractive, even the way they even, dress. Even Chris Pratt when he's a little heavy at oversight. Yeah, I, I I still think Chris Pratt looks good. Uh, Amy Amy Adams looks fantastic. Olivia Wilde's in that film. Yeah, she yeah. Is a oh nice, man, Olivia she's a, Wilde is she's great a great in that movie. and she's a really small she just pops part. out of nowhere. Yeah, so good though. Yeah, that is a good man. I, mm. <laughs> it literally this was one that was on serious consideration of mm-hmm. whether I put it in the top ten or not. It really was. Uh, it's a good one. On my also rands, I had Horns, which recently came out with mm-hmm. um, Harry Potter in it. Oh, yeah. X-Men Days of Future Past. Live, yes. Die, Repeat, which was oh, I surprising. I mean, really surprising mm-hmm. how much I like that. It's also a time travel movie. Right. should have been on my mind. All right. Um, Premature, which is a, just a, it's another time travel movie. Nice. Uh, the Lego movie, Her, Stripped, which is a documentary about comic strips. Which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, The Fantastic Fear of Everything, Nebraska, which you oh, got I me on. I haven't seen yet. You haven't seen that? No. I thought you were the one that was talking about it. And I got was me talking about it. it all the time. And the one time I really last time I talked about it was I rented it on iTunes. Oh, and you didn't get a chance to watch and the it? The freaking, you, you just accidentally press play and it just oh, plays yeah, yeah. the most recent thing you have up. And yeah. I hadn't started yet. It was in my period i didn't have time to watch it so right. i wasted a rental but it, i think it's actually on netflix now yeah so that's on my th- list to watch do watch it. it it starts out and you're just like really <laughs> and then suddenly it turns into awe yeah. at the end uh the conspiracy which is another documentary which is kind of a mind trip mm-hmm. about secret societies and pulling the wool over people's eyes and then american hustle are all there these American are not Hustle's in really any good. kind of these are not in any kind of order they're yeah. just on the list but her and guardians of the galaxy would be way yeah, up there on guardians the of the galaxy was on mine um. What else? Oh, Zero Theorem was on mine. That I really mm-hmm. loved. And the, and you know, I watched a couple other movies, but a lot of my movies I watched were on the Zach on film list, so I yeah. just couldn't include them. But I mean, I watched. I had one movie from movies. 1974 that I had never seen before. It's called Farewell, My Lovely. It is a mm-hmm. Philip Marlowe um, uh, movie, a detective movie, uh, starring Robert Mitchum. And I'd never seen this movie before. And I sat down and I just fell in love with it instantly, mm-hmm. just because of the grittiness of the 1970s, telling a 1940s story. 
It was great. Were there any recent movies, uh, 2013, 2014, that you just thought were bad? Like, oh, yeah. Like I said, every Thursday night is like yeah, 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 yeah. crappy movie night. Uh, I saw Maze Runner the other night. Oh, It yeah. was okay. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. Uh, there's something called, what is it, Vampire Academy or something? Yes. Um, which, again, isn't horrible, um, but it's not really great. Mm-hmm. There's another one that's based on a series of books um, about this girl who discovered Divergent? No, not Divergent. Oh. Um, I, I could find it really quick. Um, but it wasn't horrible, but it was rated really low. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's a girl Harry Potter, but it's like 16 tiers below Harry Potter oh. as far as, hey, we need to figure out a thing that can compete. Oh, well, here's Percy Jackson. Oh, here's Twilight. It's <laughs> oh, like yeah. you know, way, way, way down in there. But it's a series of books. Um, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I've watched a lot of really bad mm. movies. And, and literally, I have watched some zero-rated Rotten Tomato <laughs> movies just because I want to punish myself. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when you're going out and you're smelling perfumes or, or doing something, you're supposed to take a whiff of coffee to yeah. neutralize the effect. So we watch all these great movies on Zach on film. Mm-hmm. And to neutralize that, I watch some really crappy movies to see. Oh, good idea. To kind of balance it out and really see, oh, do these movies really stand up against these really bad movies? and is there anything redeeming in these really, really bad movies? Because mm-hmm. there have been a few movies that are really horrible, that have terrible reviews that I look at and say, I can, like Premature. Yeah. It's a horrible movie. It's really dumb. It's about <laughs> a guy who can time travel whenever he jerks off, whenever he oh, whenever he, movie, yes. whenever he ejaculates, yeah. he travels back to the start of the day. Mm-hmm. Mixed in with that is a silly little love story about finding the girl that the guy really wants to be with and mm-hmm. not the girl that's hot. And... It's a horrible, it's a terrible movie, but there's something about it that is sweet yeah. in it. That's interesting. Yeah. So now it's time for number one. Number ones. My number one movie of 2014. Yes. Interstellar. Really? That would have been yes. on my Elson Rands, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's not your number one. No, it's not. If you want to check out my thoughts on Interstellar, Zach and I did a, a movie special a couple of, about a month or so ago. Yeah. Uh, go check that out. You hear all my thoughts about Interstellar, why I loved it so much, and why even today I'm still thinking about that movie weeks after it was released. Yeah, it's really good. Or weeks after I saw it. So my number one, Interstellar. My number one uh, is probably the only Oscar-containing movie we got yeah. uh, in here. Not Interstellar? It, no, it was Nightcrawler, the Jake Gyllenhaal oh, yeah, yeah. film. It's on, on. I've got it ordered on pre-order on yeah. iTunes. So. It is... It was... So good, so good in in a time period where anti hero characters are all the rage. I think in film, uh, the character that Jake Joan Hall plays is the new standard of anti hero. Is so so well done as a character that uh, is down on his luck, but works his way up to the top by not cheating the system at all. But by by playing into it and working really hard, but just taking advantage of horrible situations by filming murders and car wrecks all throughout Los Angeles uh, to make the big checks by sending by giving it to news stations. So it's a really bad character that you have problems rooting for. You're like, well, that guy's you know he's working to get where he is. He's just doing some really shady legal stuff. Uh, it was shot so well as, uh, I think I reviewed it up on the major sports website as an article. Yeah. Uh, and talked about how, you know, LA changed, they changed all these new LED light bulbs and you could see how cl- crystal clear the city is now. Uh, it was just shot so well. Jake Hall was amazing. A lot of other great characters in there is also, 
but I really was happy our theater got that movie and had a chance to watch it because, uh, man, I really, really enjoyed it. If you want to see, this is one, it's it's kind of got a mixed rating. Mm-hmm. It's another Jake Gyllenhaal movie that I watched a couple, uh, it was probably about a month and a half ago, called Enemy. It is a mind trip uh-huh. because people think it's about an alien invasion and spiders. Oh. But it's not. And it took me a day or two to mull it over in my head and then Mm -hmm. finally to go online to find somebody who really breaks it down and understood what was going on, following all the clues that the director had left. Yeah. Um, I probably would not recommend it because I don't think it's a very good movie, but it's one that makes you think. Yeah. And then if you have not seen End of Watch, End of Watch is the cop movie. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Which is another one that, so I know that police are under a lot of, you know, Mm a lot of flack lately. Yeah. So uh, this guy, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, has been tasked with filming and doing a documentary in this class that he's taking night class. And so he decides to just run cameras all the time while he's on duty. Oh. Um, and things don't turn out so well. It's interesting. Yeah. And it's a real, I mean, it's like, I don't think it's a movie that glorifies police. I don't think it's going to make you say, oh, I forgive police for everything yeah. they do, do, but it does put a very human perspective on what the police are going through in a day-to-day. That's so interesting that that's actually what the premise is, because I remember watching trailers for it and never getting the idea that it was that kind of take yeah, it's, on it's a, 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 a first-person, first it's like yeah. a found footage, it's literally a found footage piece. Huh. Um, but man, go check it out. It's really worth it. I mean, yeah, it's got a very sad ending. I don't, I don't think, I think it's a little long. Yeah. But it's 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 another one that's uh, that's out there. End end of watch. Mm. So and then of course source code. I think I watched that in the last. Yeah, source year code was too. good. I did like that one. I meant yeah. to watch that in 2013. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to see a, a trippy one, Enemy is right. really trippy because it deals with dual personalities. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's dual personality. Maybe it's a twin. Maybe it's a look alike. <laughs> very very different. Uh, okay. So, cool. All right, everybody. There you go. Our top ten movies that we watched in 2014. I'm glad that only two of them from each of us came out in 2013. Yeah. Because uh, I was afraid we were going to have like in 1986, I finally sat down and watched Lethal Weapon. <laughs> um, and it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that we had a lot of 2014 movies on there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com, the podcast posting page, as Zach always uh, tags out with. <laughs> and you share your thoughts of what your favorite movies of 2014 were, movies that you had to see in 2014. And because we were able to keep ours within 2013, 2014, we're going to ask that you keep yours within 2013 as well, meaning that the movie may have come out in 2013, but you didn't get to watch it until 2014. And uh, share your your thoughts in the comment section over at Majorspoilers.com. We'll also try to provide links to all of these movies if you want to buy them. We do have a an Apple um, affiliate program now, so you can go and buy or rent these movies, and a little bit comes back our way if you want to go through iTunes or through Amazon or however that you want to do it. We'll have it all there in the show notes for you, and we appreciate your support. And uh, here's to 2015, Zach. Woo-woo! All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week on Zach on Film. podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.